0: Hello and welcome back to the From Page to Picture podcast, where we take you page by page and scene by scene through the film adaptations of all your favourite books. After a longer than anticipated hiatus, we are back with Episode 7, Little Women, written by Louisa May Alcott and its most recent adaptation by Greta Gerwig. We are hosts, Lucy and George, with our very first special guest and President Florence Pugh fan, Hattie Metcalf.
1: Little Women and its counterpart, Good Wives, follows the lives and personalities of the four Marsh sisters, Meg, Jo, Beth and Amy, detailing their passage from childhood to womanhood and all that that entails.
0: Initially published as two volumes in 1868 and 1869, Little Women and Good Wives were immediate critical and commercial successes that combined under one single title of Little Women in 1880. Semi-autobiographical in nature, this tale is loosely based on the author and her three sisters. This group of women has been immortalised in history with stage, film, television, musical and audio drama adaptations. One such adaptation was the 2019 film from Lady Bird director Greta Gerwig, which, like its source material, went with much critical success as well as grossing $218 million worldwide. Praise was given to Gerwig for her writing and directing, and the cast, which included names such as Saoirse Ronan, Florence Pugh, and Timothy Chalamet, was also widely praised. The film received numerous nominations, including six Academy Awards, five BAFTAs, and two Golden Globes, and all of us really liking it. Little Women took home the awards for Best Costume Design at both the Bastards and the Oscars. It currently sits at a staggering 95% on Rotten Tomatoes. After being adapted so many times, has Greta Gerwig managed to adapt Alcott's work to a point it exceeds it? Or is that an impossible goal? So Hattie, not to throw you under the bus for your first time, but what do you think? Do these Little Women belong on the page or the screen?
2: alright isn't it it's quite good <laughs> um oh god you're asking me difficult questions i feel like they're both equally amazing um i think like you've mentioned the fact that gerwig uses both parts of the text she was the first director to ever do that or to ever like even consider doing it um just makes everything so much better and makes it all come together so much more otherwise it feels I think the others that I've seen feel very like they're missing something. Um, I love the film. I love the film so much.
0: <laughs> it's really impressive how she managed to combine two books into one reasonably length film. Like, that was a testament to being able to adapt it in such a way.
2: It's an impressive feat because as well, like, the, the books, the way they're set out, their chapters, you've probably noticed are so short but there's so many of them and they're all like condensed stories in their own. And to be able to like pull out the most necessary ones and go, okay, that's going in, that's not, that's going in. And to do that over two books is Mm. insane.
0: I think that really did help with actually adapting it because there's some stories that weren't as essential as other ones. So it was quite easy to be like, fuck off Camp Laurie. Let's (laughs) focus on the death of Amy. Not Amy, uh, Beth.
2: But I mean, she even um, like had the confidence, I think, in what she was doing because I think she was she's the first person to do it. So she's sort of, the canvas is blank and she can do whatever she wants with it. And she changes some of the stories and she develops character relationships more because she changes them. I think um, when I did my research project on Little Women and Amy and the book and the film, one thing I wrote about was the fact that in the film um when a when Jo's just cut off her hair spoilers um to to get money for the family um in the film amy goes to comfort her whereas in the book it's meg and i feel like it's such a subtle change but it means so much if you know the book and the film it oh it's so good
1: <laughs> i think the way she like goes back and forth between good wives and little women in the film is good as well. Cause it's like, I think it's the best way to do it by making, cause in my opinion, I thought the second half good wives in the book was boring. So I think by going back and forth in the film, it makes that good wives bit more interesting. Um, and I think it's nice to see them as both like these young, young kids, but then these grown up adults and kind of seeing how that connects as the film goes on.
0: I think it's quite entertaining for like book readers going in as well because uh, you have to try and piece it together like chronologically as a reader like where the hell are we in terms of the story and I mean it is a bit confusing if you're a first time little womaner that is a noun for them I don't know but like being able to go back and forth and it's quite good at showing how they've grown because you just in contrast to who they were before and who they are then it's really interesting
1: yeah it's definitely like circumstances from the past and how they kind of like reflect and impact on the future um but then I think at times like it does kind of work against itself like there's a moment I'm pretty sure it's at the beginning when Amy mentions to Laurie, to Laurie um like when she's in Paris about Joe's rejection and that's really early on before we even get to see the scene where joe rejects laurie and in a way is that kind of like ruining what we're like about to see but then i guess if you're going and reading the book you already expect that
2: yeah i quite liked that they did that because that really like set everything up i think it sets joe up before you even introduced her as like oh, okay so she's a headstrong character given the time period as well she's not someone that's just going to jump at the first marriage invitation clearly she's you know she's single and wants to be like that and things like I feel like yes if you haven't read the book it does spoil it a bit but then also like if you you haven't met Jo in the film yet so you're like there's an inclination of what she's going to be like
1: yeah definitely kind of creates the contrast I think between this like image of Jo as what what women would expect her to be like during the 19th century and this kind of like domestic daughter to mommy's kind of like free thinking home. Whereas in reality, she's much more independent and she stepped out of that door and it kind of sets her up for that independence when we eventually see her.
0: I think the contrasting in Greta Grego's adaptation is what really makes the jumping back and forth really work because it makes the emotional moments like Beth dying, contrasting with her surviving Scarlet Fever much more impactful than just them going from being really happy at a party to uh, struggling to pay the bills. And it's just a very bleak but effective contrast, which I always thought was quite well. And then at the same time, I think the book probably wouldn't benefit from jumping back and forth like the film does. And I think it's because you spend more time with the book. So it's nice to have a more slow progression of the characters rather than the jumping back and forth of the film, which I guess keeps it more engaging.
1: Yeah, and just to go back to like um, uh, Hattie's point about how the jumping back and forth kind of allows for more intimate relations between the characters, like with Joe and Amy, I think that's the same with Amy and Laurie as well. Like By setting them up at the beginning when they're adults rather than when they're kids, it kind of makes then the couple to root for rather than Joe and Laurie and in a way we kind of get to see Amy as more of a character on her own like to see her like artistic ambitions and how she wants to be outside of her relationship to Joe which I think the book very much focuses on because we have this two-blocked structure to the novel.
2: I also really really liked that the fact the first time you see Amy is as an adult because um, I don't know about you, like the first time, I was probably given my first copy of Little Women when I was about 10, maybe, I don't know. Um, like every girl that I know, for some reason, we all got given a copy of Little Women at Christmas at, between the ages of 8 and 13. Like wow. it was some sort of staple feminist text that we all had to read. I don't think I read it until I was about 14. Um, By I contrast,
0: was like, I didn't get it till 20 and I still don't read it. Really <laughs> <hard
2: time. laughs> I remember trying to read it and being like, what, what's the big deal? Like, I couldn't understand why I was so... I had to be so enthusiastic about, like, four sisters sat around wrapping presents talking about when their dad's coming back from the war. I was like, oh, this is dope. Um, anyway, um, when I actually read the book, I really, really hated Amy. Um, and I always wanted to be Joe, And, like, Joe was always what I wrote for. And then in the film, when you're introduced to Amy as an adult... It's like she's matured, and actually, there's a sense of understanding, and she's a lot more of a likable character. And I think that's the thing a lot of places report on was how much more empathy audiences felt towards her because Good Wives gives her the chance to be like matured and fully grown, where she's not just like burning manuscripts and stuff like that.
1: I think it's a testament to Gerwig as well, um, who obviously wrote the like "Marriage is not an economic proposition" speech, um, and the whole line about her being like "great or nothing" and she won't be second to to Joe is so powerful. And I think it's kind of problematic that girls are given little women from such a young age because, in compared to the film, the book is so much more subtle in its feminist undertones, whereas the film is like, no, this is a a feminist. Film and like this, you know, marriage is is an economic proposition. But girls reading the book from such a young age without Gerwig's speech is kind of like, no, you should belong in the house and you should be this kind of wife and this kind of daughter.
0: And it seems that they're trying to be like, oh, here is the manual for when you are older. Enjoy.
2: (laughs) Yeah, that was that was something I wrote about. Was um, there's a lot of research into like non-sexist children's literature and how. Actually, majority of the time, it's still sexist Um, because Little Women is so often advertised as, you know, like a sort of feminist text and you get given it when you're young and it's a nice copy and mine's probably in an attic somewhere. Um, But actually, when you look into it and you examine the details, it's not as feminist as you think because, yes, the girls are very independent. They're very, you know, they have some masculine qualities, particularly Jo and things like that. The men have no feminine qualities whatsoever when you look at it. The men do bugger all. They, yeah. you know, do they wash dishes? No. Their teachers, you know, Laurie learns Latin, they do masculine things. Um, so it really is very one-sided in its feminism, which is irritating. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know why we were I wanted to be given the film instead if it came out yeah. when I was that young.
0: I think Greta would definitely managed to kind of smooth over uh, some of the worst parts of that, especially one of the favorite things about my, my favorite things about the film is how it kind of breaks the fourth wall with the, uh, the, the tale and how in in the book it never makes sense why Joe after saying repeatedly that she's never going to marry ends up marrying at the very end. But then in the, the film explained explains it like actually that's not how the story ended that's just what the published one who was also a white man and i just thought it was a clever way of doing justice to the story without uh, but then also making it more digestible and relevant for a modern audience
1: i think in a way it also makes it more autobiographical in a way like um so like obviously it begins with the copy of little women that she's wrote um, and it begins with Alcott's name but then it obviously changes to Joe's by the end um, but in the book she never writes anything called Little Women so it's interesting that the ending makes it feel almost speculative sci-fi that she's wrote this story and in that way it links back to the book in that Alcott's kind of using as her mouthpiece.
0: I kept When I was reading the book I kept explaining like okay when does she start re- writing Little Women and I got to see and I was like I've been lied to.
1: yeah because she she writes more like I'd say like salacious kind of like um what what was kind of seen as like bad at the time stories um and then kind of moves towards what she wants to write whereas in the film it's just no she's writing little women and it's I guess it says it's like the film itself is like a story about telling your own story
2: I think it ties into what you were saying before about the socioeconomic thing. Obviously, Amy has that like full-on speech, but then the conversations that um, Joe has in the film with the publisher about trying to get paid. Um, And there was a quote from Greta Gerwig, which I loved in the the movie movie tie-in fancy hardcover book that I paid stupid amounts of money for. (laughs) Um, And she described the book as a book about money and why it's so hard for women to get and I'm like that's so spot on yeah (laughs) it hits a note on the head for it even you know aside from the whole marriage thing just the issue of like publication and and what Joe goes through to get that is mental
1: I think yeah like Gerwig does a really good job of kind of mixing in the kind of cozy fireplace like sweet dancing you know the way Meg goes to that ball and it's all quite like refined but then at the same time she's like no this is a critical context about like the structural barriers that these women had to face in terms of like marriage and like trying to actually find a job that was not just being a wife um, and being a property of husbands and I think this kind of that nice mix between like the refined Kind of Jane Austen vibes, but at the same time, this like flat out anger at the society that these women had to like live in. I think what I really like about the film is that kind of like much of the dialogue between the characters is basically lifted straight from the book apart from the main like feminist um speeches and even like most of the events like the movie kind of remains like zoomed in on the marsh family and like we still get the part where like amy burns um joe's novel and then the ice skating part and the dancing um between laurie and joe while meg's like dancing with the other people. I think like she she keeps in the main things that kind of make the book.
0: Mm. I think it's it's definitely a testament to how good of a writer she was and that a lot of what she's saying or making people say, like is still working with modern films and things which are winning Oscars and being nominated is still working. And I think it kind of, uh, when I'm reading Little Women, it reminded me a lot of when we did Emma. And now they're both very, I wouldn't say slow, but very personal and just quiet tales, which you can just sit in and enjoy without having like an overarching, oh, there's a ring, let's go throw it in a mountain type plot type thing. But it's just, it's interesting to have a kind of continuation of that uh, very personal story, which has lots of dialogue, which is so good that it's the, st- over a hundred years
1: yeah i think it definitely works in that they keep um the bits that are specific to the period that they're setting the film in um random fact um they they had like one thing they had to do was kind of coach them on like speech and dialogue um which is kind of generic for most films are like set in like the 1800s but they also had to get an etiquette coach and they kind of led them through the time like the mannerisms of the time period and they had to study it and and they were kind of taught a lot about how to kind of hold their body and the way they would walk and like eat and everything which I think is really good for going to kind of get someone in like that because it makes it a lot more realistic and more kind of lets you feel like you're actually in the 1800s that is
0: insane like it's just a so-called cool thinking like the actors one have to realistically portray these characters but then also have to realistically portray the time like it, they could be in the best costumes ever which they are but as long as they aren't fully committed to being those people it wouldn't work and it they it, it clearly work with how well they deliver the lines and their, their teachers mm-hmm. were very good good job etiquette teachers
2: well done, teachers.
0: <laughs> I feel like
2: it, I feel like if she didn't do that, they'd probably have like film bros coming at them, being like, "Well, that's what not they did. They didn't do that in that century. What are you doing?" Film bros I, think they know everything.
0: The etiquette coach was like walking out of set, just thinking, "I did a good job." and then checked Instagram and saw the, the photo of Timothee Chalamet, and M- Meryl Streep having like in and out. <laughs> like, god damn it!
2: <laughs> the
1: fries. The fries. At least it wasn't like Game of Thrones where they kept a Starbucks cup in the shot.
2: (laughs) Isn't there, okay, correct me if I'm wrong and I'm going to Google this because I've literally just remembered it, but I feel like there is a water bottle in one of the shots.
1: Yeah, there's got to be. In Aunt
2: Aunt, Aunt March's house, if I can't even say it. I feel like there is. Nothing's ever perfect. (laughs) Carry on. Mm -hmm. And if I interrupt, you know why. (laughs) i found
0: it. <laughs> just going back to the costumes, which are amazing, I have a little fun fact as well. So as I mentioned at the start, Little Women actually won Best Costumes at the 2020 Academy Awards. Uh, but if you pay attention, there's a really cool detail, which I think... Uh, I don't actually know if it was Greta was directly involved or if it was just the costume designers. But each of the sisters has a very specific wardrobe So Meg is lavender and green, Uh, Joe is red and indigo, Beth is pink and brown, and Amy is light blue. And then their mother is is usually a combination of all their colours.
1: Oh, that's quite cute.
0: And apparently also the costume designer, Jacqueline Duran made several copies of both Joe and Laurie's clothes, so it made it seem like they were sharing clothes. I swear
1: I've seen that on Twitter, where someone was like, this scene that Joy's wearing Laurie's shirt, and I was like, "Oh, ooh.
0: Skimper.
1: That's. I think that's quite cute that they've got their own um colours and in a way kind of reflects their personality as well. Like I feel like Amy is very much a light blue kind of person. I mean, that's of no reason that Florence Pugh is blonde and it, it goes well, but yeah.
0: I think it's just a testament to... I keep saying "testament." I don't know why. I'm <laughs> the a word the New
1: Testament. The
0: New Testament, but it's actually old because I've said it that many times. But I think it's so cool that oh, oh oh, go for it.
2: Okay, from the Guardian. I'm I'm just quoting this straight out. In the background of a shop, atop period furniture, sits a stainless steel drink bottle identified as a hydro flask and a plastic broom and spring bottle. <laughs> Apparently yeah. fans, fans reacted with mirth and horror on Twitter, with some checking their own copies of the film to verify. I wasn't that... Oh my god, the, N- the New York Times had their headline, Thirsty on Set. Wow. This is I like mean, Game of Thrones all over again.
0: They're not wrong. I guess they were <laughs> thirsty on set, but... Connotations?
1: Yeah, I mean, you would be thirsty if you're working right. alongside Florence Pugh. That I mean, I, I would
2: it's confirmed, is that uh, Louise May Alcott used a hydro
1: flask. I feel like that's what, yeah. we, what we thought. I, I
0: actually, I saw her use it once.
1: There was hydro was really cool. flasks in the 19th century? A hundred percent. Oh,
0: yeah.
2: Wow. <laughs> Branded and everything with the red bubble stickers and, the you know. <laughs> Beautiful. But, yeah,
0: I think it, it's really cool that how, uh, a cost like costume designers are so underrated like mm-hmm. they do so much hard work and just so much depth to a character but you don't really pay attention and like if it was done poorly you'd absolutely notice but if it's done well you never know they did it mm. unless you're looking for it so next time you watch a film look at their clothes unless it's like some weird 50 shades of grey, and there are no clothes
1: involved. Oh God!
0: Then just look at their faces.
1: <laughs> I definitely think it's in period dramas. Like when we watched Emma, like I I paid a lot more attention to what she was wearing um, and the colours and how that would change. Um, and even when I watched like The Crown or like Victoria, I'm very focused on the clothing. Where I think when you watch something that's set in the modern day, like they're just wearing tracksuits. It's 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 of no worth. <laughs>
0: Is that that more to do with the fact that More Modern isn't as inspired or is it literally just because we just have terrible clove taste now?
1: Mm, I reckon we've just got terrible clothing taste now.
0: A scene I really liked in the book and film, but I think the film just edges how it did it over the book for me, is uh, Beth getting her piano. Okay, so it's like the it's a really wholesome moment, and it's probably like my favorite scene. And it's like her saying thank you and asking her sisters if she could go and say thank you and all that sort of stuff. Whereas in the uh film, I really just like how Beth it's very very much a testament to her character. How she doesn't there it is again, testament. Uh, I, I just if she she just kind of says a few things to her sisters and then just runs out the door, goes up to him, and just gives him a big fat hug. and I'm just like, oh.
2: It's so when, awesome. It's when so I first sweet.
0: read the book or watched the film, I was just like, this guy's gonna be dodgy, isn't he? He's a dodgy man.
1: Really? A dodgy.
0: Yeah, I was I That's didn't expect hot. him to be nice, but he was very nice and he's now my he's best a friend.
1: Sweetheart. He's so I think hot. you I think, I think uh, you got that from reading Emma. You, <laughs> <laughs> you
2: thought <laughs> he was the
1: villain. Oh no. Oh god.
2: Yeah. yeah. I feel like those two roles were so well casted. They were they, they couldn't have I don't know who else you would have put there.
1: Yeah, I think I think like well, one of the I think the most well casted in the film is definitely Timothy Chalamet. Like I think he he has the he has the intellectual side to it. He has the arrogance as he gets older through the book, and then especially when he's like a shitbag to um Amy, and then I don't know. I just think he has that kind of charm that like the way the book emphasises how all of the sisters love him. I think you can just love him like any viewer is going to love him.
2: I feel, I think that's quite interesting because, like, the thing I heard from a couple of people was that they didn't like Timothy as much oh. because they thought he didn't have the right physique for it, um, which I thought was quite interesting because, I mean... Laurie in the past has literally been played by Christian Bale so I mean you, you have some standard that you have to like potentially reach yeah um, and I, I didn't I didn't necessarily think about physique but um I guess he's not necessarily imposing in his um stature that's what I'll call it um but maybe that means he has to make up for it mentally as a character um With you know knowledge and um personality and things like that, rather than just being based off looks. I'm not saying Timothy
1: Chalamet is not nice to look at, but <laughs> just <laughs> you know what I mean. I think I think the scrawniness kind of works though, because I think with the scrawniness, he can run around and kind of nudge Jaw and like like as scrawny kids would, like running around the beach. Whereas if he's more like built like batman Mm. like you kind of get that like innocent vibe gone i I, I I
0: do think it kind of works so it it does also work because i'm not saying there's nothing wrong with being scrawny but him being scrawny kind of gives the connotations that he doesn't really put much effort in he's quite laid back and just
2: Mm.
0: uber chill but at the same time i'm like christian bale i don't know why he like american psycho like i'm i'm like he had some uh in, in the book, Laurie has some kind of American psycho moments. Just saying, he was just like <laughs> he, he had the evil eyes. Hey, hey, listeners, I just did some evil eyes in case you weren't hearing my evil eyes. They weren't particularly evil; they
2: were a bit intimidating. They,
0: like they, were, they were just squinty. Yeah, I look. I look mole-esque.
1: Um, also, to go back to. Um, George's point of how you you liked the bit when Beth got her piano um, I feel like the reason you liked that like is that that's one of your most like favorite film favorite moments in the film is because of how kind of there's no dialogue but it's all done through kind of the visual hugging and I think that's what the film kind of really does a good job at like especially with like Laurie and Joe's relationship like I mean, we've talked about like sibling relationships in films before with like perks but it always comes better through the visual rather than the written because you get that visual like nudging and the kind of like holding hands and the smiling and things that come across in the body language rather than in the dialogue that the the written words can't really get across well.
0: Yeah the, the chemistry between the forces is, is so good like they're so believable like when we first see them when they're younger and they're getting ready to go to the ball, and it's just chaos everywhere. Yeah. And then also, the worst points are like the whole saying fire to the paper. Like, it's such sim- sibling chaos, and it's just really fun to watch.
2: I think the way they um, sit around mommy as well, particularly when they're reading um, the letters, it's just interesting. I mean, even to like compare to how it's been done before. Like, I'm just looking now, and in one photo, you have, like, Joe sitting sort of on the seat with Marmy like, at the top of the family, and then you have Amy all the way down at the bottom, which was quite harsh alongside Meg. Um, but I, I just think the placement of that kind of situation is so clever. And they do, you're right, like, the casting for this, they couldn't have gotten along better, I don't think.
0: As controversial. But I'm not saying I did not like the performance of Florence Pugh. Amazing. I'm not saying I did not like the performance of the person who played Beth, whose name has forgotten me, and I'm sorry. But, 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 I think I'm a, I'm about they look like call. <laughs> they are the wrong ages. Because when I started reading the book, I was always under the assumption Amy was older than Beth.
2: I'm not this again.
0: Because I thought Amy. Like, Florence Pugh looks older than the actress for Beth.
2: In appearance, you're right. She she looks older, even though she's not. But there's plenty of examples where Amy, you're sort of reminded that she is the child of the group. Mm. Um, I think particularly the bit with the limes, where she's like, oh, the girl's been handing out limes, and I don't, I don't have enough, and I owe everyone some limes. So Meg has to, you know, she plays the role of mother, which she is in the group, and gives the child some lines um, and I mean even even in the film where she's doing that drawing of the headmaster and then she gets caught out for it um, and then what is it she says to Laurie she's like crying outside his window and goes I have the best ankles in the whole family uh, <laughs> it's yeah. just, it, it's not something that I think Joe would say <laughs> necessarily but yeah, you you are reminded in a couple of occasions that she is definitely the youngest one.
1: Like even when she um when she burns Joe's papers, like that's such an immature like thing to do. And Beth, in contrast, is like, no, you shouldn't have done that. That's what she cares about the most. Um, you should apologise. And and like Amy obviously realises that in the end. But it's. spur of the moment, childish, like I will get back at her by taking what she loves most.
0: Yeah, I 100% agree. There's also stuff like Amy's very indecisive as to who she wants to be, which Mm -hmm. is very, I see myself in that a lot sometimes. And it's just like how uh, Joe wants to be a writer, Meg wants to raise a family, uh, Beth wants to be a Chad and stay at home. That's what all Chads do. Uh, Beth wants to be a Chad. Beth wants to be a Chad. I'm gonna get that tattooed across my neck. <laughs> and then there's just this other like stupid thing she does, like she manages to get her leg stuck in the, the bucket.
1: Oh, God, I forgot <laughs> oh that yeah.
0: Her being young kind of shows the naivety of like, Hey, don't go to the middle of the river. It's about four. And then she just goes for a little dive.
2: Going back to what Lucy was saying, though, about about the manuscript and about the burning of it, um, I can't quite remember the order which they go in the film, but I definitely, like, when I was reading the book, again, hated Amy because I was like, why would you do that to someone? But then when I was looking at the film and writing about it, one of the things that I sort of picked up on and felt like, oh, I can kind of understand where she was coming from a bit more then, is if you think about it, from a very young age, Joe in um little woman has had this idea of that's how she's going to make money is through writing and she's had a source of financial income even if she's not getting it at a young age um and amy hasn't um amy's only viable option when she's younger is that she's going to get married and joe is sort of dead against that and doesn't want to do it and i feel like When she does that whole speech to Laurie in the film about, you know, marriage is an economic proposition, and, you know, if I marry, then a man literally owns everything. If I have children, they're his. If I have property, they're his. If I have money, they're his. Um, I feel like when that happens in the film, I understood the burning of the manuscript a lot more because I was like, Amy's sort of on the borderline of having financial income by being an artist. And Laurie's come in and just sort of wrecked everything almost and gone, don't marry him, marry me. And it just, I don't know, something about it made me understand it more.
1: I definitely agree. I think there's kind of this undertone across the whole film that marriage is kind of seen as a threatening presence. Like if there's a villain in this film slash book, it's marriage. And I think in a way, like by Amy burning the manuscripts, it's a bit of her kind of saying, well... If I have to, if I have to make my way through an economical agreement through marriage, then you do too. In a way, and I feel like like Amy's kind of robbed of her ability to work, um, and I feel like by that, by that she kind of wants to rob someone else of that as well. So she feels like she's not alone, um, and I think it also comes across in like how Joffy is Meg going, going going and getting married, um, and the way that like mommy and her husband like would assess the men that, that like Meg brings in and then Joe obviously brings in. I think it's interesting how like marriage is kind of seen as this villain.
0: I, I don't know if this is exactly how it happened in the book but when Beth died, Joe was obviously distraught but she wasn't like wailing, screaming at a mount- on top of a mountain and rainstorm and lightning. She was absolutely doing that when Meg said she was getting married. She was devastated. Like The whole thing about how, in some regards, from Joe's perspective, being married is like losing a sister. It's like them dying to a certain extent. Uh, Going from the book to the film made you like Meg, uh, Amy. For me, it was a reverse. When I first watched the film, I hated Amy. She was just... So insufferable, the whole burning of the manners. Oh, God, I'm terrified now. I'm getting
1: why are you so. doing Mr. Florence Pugh?
0: I did not know who Florence Pugh was at that time. That was my first Florence Pugh experience. Okay. Since then, I watched, I read the book, I watched other Florence Pugh merchandise, such as merchandise uh, as Midsummer, which, fun fact Florence Pugh went from filming Midsummer to Little Women, sh- like she went straight from Midsummer to Little Women. Which is insane. Like she didn't have a break, but she said that making Little Women after such a stressful film like Midsummer was like a catharsis for her, and it was like it was like her break was her doing a nice character like Amy. Oh,
1: the range, the range,
0: the
2: talent. We love the woman, the beauty. What What you were saying about um, marriage being villainous, Lucy, as well. um, just just reading back through my entire project, um, I looked uh, like specifically for some reason, I'm questioning my whole academic career, uh, in one of my paragraphs about Frederick or Friedrich, who um, Joey marries at the end of the film. Um, and one, I'm, I'm trying to like read through this quickly, um, but one of the interesting things about that is that they established a school together um you know good fair enough place of education for both genders um but she makes him headmaster in the book and that's like a bit or oh. um and that's sort of reinforcing the hierarchical role again even though joe is such a headstrong figure it sort of it's putting her back in her place and i think the fact that the book ends like that Is the reason why Alcott can go through and do all of these things and be so I want to say radical even though it's not really radical but it's probably radical for her time in what Mm -hmm. her characters do is because everyone's gender roles are nicely tied up in a little bow at the end and it's all you know quite well and good. Um, I think there was something else I researched as well about the fact that he's an older man and mm-hmm. to an extent, there was some academic that suggested that she was essentially marrying a version of her father because her father was is absent. Um, that's another thing to talk about that I'll get onto in a second. Um, but her father is so absent that she just, rather than marrying Laurie, who is the complete opposite of her father, is there all the time and is basically a sibling, she goes externally and she finds a man who is older and you know worldly and knowledgeable because he's a scholar and marries her instead. Um but the father, what I was gonna mention, completely different topic. Something that I read again in research and I found really interesting about the father is how he looms over the whole text and the whole film. And I didn't, it didn't click until I read that. I was like, oh shit, you're right, like he does. He's so... You think that they're so free and they they can do all these things and they can um, view marriage as villainous and all of this when actually the father is there consistently. Like, they all read his letters together. They all get excited over his letters. The war is, like, there in so many subtleties of the scene, whether it's, like, the poor family that they have to go give the food to because they're suffering and there's no man at home to... Feed them or anything like that. Um, it's creepy in a way <laughs> because mm. I hadn't I, thought of it. I,
0: I'd never realized. That. I was going to bring up how, like, in the book, the dad has some presence, but then has even less in the film. But like that adds to, like an entire new creepy mm. thing. Even that he is technically nobody. If you watch the film, you get the reference. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's just it's just a bit creepy. He like.
2: he has a level of control um, from a distance. He's able to give them all these instructions, and he does it specifically to each daughter as well. I seem to remember it's like they all have something to do. And yes, it's wholesome and yes, it's sweet. But also, when you think about it, what is he providing to this family right Literally, now that he thinks he, he can just... have the audacity to be like and be sweet and kind and gentle, my little women? Like, sorry.
0: Every time he is brought up, he's like, "Oh, he's being studious, sat in his corner reading a book." I'm like, "Wash some dishes, clean the floor, be a man." And
2: and this is this is exactly what I was going back to about the point that Little Women is definitely not a non-sexist text because the men do, sorry, mom, jack shit, and the women do both. They fulfil the roles of both roles, um, both genders. they fulfilled the roles of both genders which is it like twice the amount of work that they have to do compared to the men so that's my rant about the dad over what a creep
1: just to go back to your point on Freerig as well is that how you pronounce his name? I, I, I feel like they change it a little bit I got bit and so I never...
0: confused because he, they say he's German in the book but I swear he's French in the film.
1: <laughs> no, I, I think I think he's German. he's German. He's German. Um, but yeah, I like, don't
0: know countries.
1: In the in the book, he's very um like passive aggressive. Um, he like objects to Jo's stories on like moral grounds in the same way her father does as well. And he almost like shames her for writing them, like um pre- like pretending that he doesn't like know she's the writer and stuff. Um but then in the film, I think Gerwig does a really good job of kind of making him much more likable in that he challenges her rather than censors her um, and kind of creates this debate, like and like even tells her outright like, I don't like your stories, rather than yeah. kind of like beating around the bush, like it is in the in the book. Um but then at the same time, like he adds that she's talented um, and like needs someone to like take her seriously. Um, so I think in a way, like, Gerwig does a really good job of kind of making that relationship less um, sexist in the way that it is in the book through the age and through him becoming, like, the headmaster.
2: Yeah, I feel like he's still, he definitely, just because of his attitude, emphasises the idea of marriage as, like, a villainous proposition. Um mm again scrolling through this 17 page document <laughs> um one other thing that i i picked up on um someone a, ver- a very good read if you want to like if you're interested I'm not, but yes. you know when you have like a spare half an hour to an hour uh there's not art- there's an article called chasing amy um the lawrence boy and louisa may alcott's punishment of female ambition which i used quite a lot and um what she talks about is the morbid imagery that's associated with marriage and particularly Laurie and Amy's relationship and um Laurie says I think it's after Joe rejects him um that he's going to the devil Hmm. and the next person he goes to is Amy (laughs) (laughs) oh (laughs) that's a compliment (laughs) um but there's a sort of an implication there that, like, I viewed that just because it fit my research as that signaling the death of Amy's ambition, um, and that that villainy and that like devilishness that marriage entails will destroy Amy's uh, artistic ambition. But you could also read that as marriage is just like evil and wrong and limits everyone that's in it. Um and there was even more images of death. There was a um Amy puts a white rose in Laurie's buttonhole in the book, which obviously has a lot of I'm thinking Hunger Games really, but like obviously has a lot of symbolism and association with death. Um that like leads to that. Uh I so can't wait
0: for the prequel to the Hunger Games with <laughs> Timothy Chalamet as President Snow. Is oh, that wait, happening? That's just, no, that's just Wonka, he's just playing Wonka.
1: <laughs> but he's
0: definitely going to be him. death must That's definitely happening now. He's going to. If be you
2: crazy think crazy. about it, Willy Wonka is the um, Hunger Games for kids. Yeah,
0: you're actually right. Yeah.
2: Oh, oh wow.
0: bagley got so dark.
2: <laughs> Tell me I'm wrong. Um, but yeah, it's it's very. Um, it to agree the fact that. Amy puts the rose in Laurie's buttonhole. Is like, oh, Amy has agency. I guess she's agreeing to this death, whether it's of her ambition or um, sort of um, the death of personality by being constrained in a marriage. But then also, oh, just the fact he says he's going to the devil, and then he goes and meets Amy. It's so mean. Yeah, <laughs> like...
0: I, I think it's just highlighting the fact of marriage being the devil of this film, not Amy. Yeah. But. And it's how, in when they're kids, uh, it's very wholesome in comparison to Good Wives. Like the whole, I really love the thing, the how they have the little newspaper. I think that's written really well in the book with like different mm-hmm. styles of writing. And I think that's adapted really well to the film. And it's like really great because it shows Laurie, a guy, and these women it is just being equals, just having fun without really having the whole, stigma and thing of marriage and relationships really being a problem there apart from maybe there was the crush of Amy on Laurie but that was just a crush I think and then it was just other things like Amy being upset with Joe for not inviting them to the party and it's just stuff like that but then the moment uh Amy uh, Laurie proposes to Joe which uh revolutionized the period drama shouting match in an open field discussion between lovers arc my favorite uh, and it at that point, like, the entire group just kind of falls apart in some regard. Like,
2: yeah,
0: uh, everyone is getting married, everyone's going to different countries. It all just falls apart from that point on. Like, marriage just kills them all off one by one. And then some weird disease kills one of the other ones off. We don't talk about that. Yeah,
1: marriage kind of, like, symbolises adulthood and maturity in both book and film and I think it definitely brings a really sharp like contrast between little women and good wives in the book when you're reading it because like suddenly they're old and like Jaws in New York and like Beth's dying and like Amy's fending for herself and Meg's trying to discipline her kids with with her husband and it's all just sudden reality and I think like if you read this when you're growing up like as a coming of age novel it's very like real in that yeah like you can't you can't keep playing these players forever and sometimes you are just going to all split and fall out and not be close as you were when you were kids.
0: Meg and her husband are like one of the worst relationships I've ever seen or read and it's just like him being like I come home with someone and she hasn't made me tea and now I'm sad.
1: When she like fails it. to make the jelly and she has a full on oh breakdown because she can't make jelly, I'm We've like, all been my there. sister's dying We've all been and my there. jelly
0: won't be made.
1: I think it's good though. Like Megan, Meg John's courtship before they get married is much more condensed in the film than in the book. Yeah. Like, which I really liked. It was so boring in the book and like. <laughs> goes for oh, like mom. the kind of when they're together as well like there's a the whole bit where they're like no you're no you're not going to say good night to these kids we need to discipline them properly and it's like <laughs> this is no relevance to the story like i'm so bored right now
0: speaking of boring parts amy in france good god
1: mm. that was the
0: longest chapter of a no! book i've ever read i i was just dying at least <laughs> joe had like good writing style
1: she can she can just write.
0: draw she can just draw letters that's all she does it was awful <laughs> I just I was just like I don't care if you went to, with Mr. Fancy Pants to an art gallery
1: I also think it, that goes for like the the play scenes as well. Like in the book, I swear to God, there was ten pages of them being different oh, characters yeah. oh, in a God, play. God, that
0: was horrific.
1: And it was a different world. It was a different story, and it was so hard to get through. Whereas in in the film, like it works because you're watching yeah, them.
0: The, the film. Like, I just
2: feel like really well. Louise May Alcott just got really bored, and was just like, "Do you know what? I'm just gonna mess with everyone that's reading this." I'm just gonna throw something else in here entirely like if you've read 1984 you know that like halfway through there's like some weird ass 30 page manual thing that's like mentioned in the book earlier and then they're like oh here you go read
1: it and I was like I don't want to maybe (laughs) it's like Shakespeare like like when Shakespeare would do a play within a play like maybe they all think it's just cool but it really is not cool
0: I think it's, like, oh a really interesting like, aspect of, like, a book-to-film adaptation, which is sometimes probably quite sad for the author when they spend so much time on an aspect of the story, like an item or a character. And then the film's like, all right, we don't have enough time to really explore this. Or, like, they give, like, a really beautiful description. Like, I guess all of the Rings managed to perfectly do it with the effects and stuff. But like, it's like, we don't have time, so we'll just make, like, maybe one reference to it like oh there's uh, the manual from 1984 but we're not going to look at every single page to all draw well we don't have time for that sorry
1: yeah i think going definitely makes it more accessible i mean like little women is 500 what 600 pages long like she needs to cut out those jelly making Uh, catastrophes (laughs)
0: little women my ass more like stupidly long women
2: okay stupidly long women i think we found the title for this episode is by louisa may stupidly long alcott it's even her name's long well
1: you know what you're right (laughs) i think though like even though she cuts stuff out which we all appreciate She also does a really good job of giving characters time in the film that they don't get in the book. So like, Mami, I think, is given more of a presence. um, And she she really works on the whole, like, critique of society's image of, like, anger as a taboo. And, like, we get this idea of this woman who has, like, been left to raise these four girls on her own with no support from her husband or from society. Um, And I think kind of... Gerwig does a really good job of expressing like what isn't working in how women are treated or measured in terms of emotion um and that masks obviously in Joe when she's like how do I how do I control this anger and she's like you just have to walk away
2: yeah I mean I think even especially doing that and with with words and phrases from the book it's really important and it's what I was saying before about displacing um, lines and putting them in different contexts to give them new meanings, I think really, really works. Um, There's another bit where she does that. um, At the start of the novel, when it, well, at the start of Good Little Women, I'm mixing the titles up now. At the start of Little Women, Amy said she wants to be great or nothing. And that's when she's a child. And so it sounds, I mean to me when I read it for the first time, like when I was much younger, she sounds very like immature, she sounds naive, she sounds a bit, you know, get your stick out your ass kind of <laughs> kind of attitude. Mm-hmm. And then when she says it in the film, she's in France and she's she's giving that speech to Laurie, and I'm like, oh, it's so much better. There. <laughs> like it works so much better. That was a big thing. There's um let me see if I can find it. It was a big thing when um Gerwig was writing and working on the film and she said that she tried to use as much actual language from the book as possible every line in the movie is either from the book or from a letter or from a journal I wanted everything to be grounded in something I could point to so it it it's like a film of so much substance is how I can like describe it and like she's probably right you could actually probably go through the the screenplay and be like oh that was from that letter in that year or I was from that diary entry in like that year or whatever um which i just think is so impressive but um, not sticking to how the book is written how the book lays things out really just works in her favor i think
0: mm. i think it just shows how important context is and not how you take certain words but like when you're adapting it because we live in such a different time from when that book was written and i think Louisa well, she May Well, she never would have dreamed as to where we are right now and how her words could be changed. And I think it's really important for directors to go well to think in her perspective and then think, okay, she had a set idea which may not translate perfectly from an audience. So I'll be an interim, I'll be the middle man or middle little woman and do it help her message get to us.
2: That's, that's the missing book in between Little Women and Good Wives, is the middle woman.
0: Did you actually know there are two sequels? There is Little Men and Good Boys.
1: Good Men. Yeah.
0: <laughs> good Boys.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: good Husbands. Just kidding, that'll never be a book, because all husbands suck. You
2: Would you know who we see those adapters, or would we just not care?
1: You don't need films about men, I'm sorry. Oh
2: that's true, yeah. they yeah. mm, they do tend to be on the trashy side.
0: I mean you know I that's... I don't need another film about a man, I'll just wait for the next MCU film.
2: No, you'll just wait for the next Joker, that's it. <laughs> yeah. That's what it is. Oh, that sweet, sweet toxic master, us see.
1: You know who we haven't talked about? Mel Street. Oh what a queen. <laughs> like Ugh. your family's only hope now you must marry well (laughs) Aunt Marsh in the book is like boring like we don't we don't even get full on like aunt Marsh scenes we only ever really hear from her through the other characters and then we get this iconic mamma mia figure like Meryl Streep coming in being like the comedy of the film and being like totally hilarious with like Amy and Laurie and it's honestly iconic like she couldn't she couldn't have been given a better role fun fact she didn't even oh. um audition for the role oh. so like her and Saoirse Ronan just literally got in touch with Greta Gerwig and was like they would like we like, like oh, I would really like to play Joe and um at in your film and obviously Greta was like sure thing like no one denies Saoirse Ronan think, on Meryl would- Street.
2: I was going to say, if you're Meryl Streep, I don't think you have to audition for shit. Yeah. I feel like if you want a role, you you get it. That's like In the famous fun. words but
0: from Modern Family, Meryl Streep could play Batman and she would be right for the role.
2: <laughs> you just reminded me of that one. It's from the season we haven't even watched yet. And the two dads are talking to their daughter and they're like, oh no, it's okay maybe Scarlett Johansson will play you in a film one day. And I was like, <laughs> oh. I could be severely misquoting those books. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> anyway, Modern Family is apparently very good for, for sliding off slash commenting on film. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I think, I really think um, March is almost one of the most feminist characters in the book mm. and film. Well, probably more film than both actually um if you think about it she is i think her husband's dead is that right
1: she's yeah, a widow she's a widow um
2: and she i mean we just love a queen who's living off a man's fortune she is really living her best life where was the parrot Actually, though where was the parrot oh where I mean, was, I was I the parrot i i hate that parrot <laughs> with the fire and the passion of a thousand suns um uh, Parrot can, that parrot can go to the devil Um, she really is just living her best life she's in a big house she gets her granddaughters to come and read to her Um, and pays them a measly sum of money because they're not rich Um, and then just buggers off to Europe for a little while <laughs>
0: it's,
1: it's, it's the life
0: <laughs> it's great because name a single man she likes in that in, in, in Little Women. Name she one.
1: She hates them all.
0: She hates them she just... all. And honestly, <laughs> name one man you like in Little Women.
1: No, we can like Lawrence. He's somewhat wholesome.
0: To a degree. To a
2: degree. To a degree. Mm. To a degree. To, to his, a degree. Um, I can't. I, the bit that always kills me whenever I watch the film is where he sat on the. Not sat on the. He sat doing Latin. And then he just stands up on the chair there's a woman the there's a woman in the garden because i think that was improvised i think i saw somewhere that was completely just timothy from being like i think i should stand up on the on the chair at this scene and then the, the latin teacher getting up with him and being like there is a woman <laughs> there's-, there's a woman outside Ah,
0: but she's far off so she looks like a little woman <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh. nice we walked straight into that one
0: Actually, you stood on top of a chair to that one.
1: I've got the best ankles in the whole family. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, question. So, you know the scene where, um, obviously, in the book, um, Joe knows that Laurie and Amy are married pre their return to wherever they return to, home, wherever home is. (laughs) I don't know where they live. Um, But, like, in the film... Joe doesn't find out until they're already there. Laurie obviously sits her down. Um I think i I think I prefer the book. Like I think it makes more sense for her to know that they're married. And in a way she doesn't come across as upset or like jealous in a, or even bitter, like in a way she does in the film. Um, like and then I and I just don't really like how they how they kind of in the film make Jo seem as if she wanted to get with Laurie, um and then there's this disappointment whereas in the book i don't think there's ever really any sense that joe wants to get with Laurie after she comes back
2: i quite i quite liked the um the sort of internal argument that joe has with herself where mommy's saying you know well do you love him though Mm
1: -hmm. and she's
2: it, it sort of gives her the chance to say well i prefer to be loved than to love because then you look back through the whole oh film, and you're like, "But hang on a sec. When is Joe, aside from showing you know to Beth when she's ill, but is that just because she's ill that she's showing that love and that care? When is she shown love to her sisters? Mm. It it's really um, I don't know. It just makes you think, and I think Joe is often put on some sort of pedestal like I've said before as the the epitome of what every young girl wants to be and to be a writer and to be successful and to be loved and to be all of this when actually it gives her some sort of law I think and some sort of humanizes her a little bit more I think because she's almost too good in the book if that makes sense yeah. I think I don't know. I just quite like that internal debate she has with herself, where she's like, "Oh, I don't know, but I think I would do it." It makes her feel appear more. It like actually verbally, it's being selfish.
0: Would you say that uh, using uh, that a lot of academic, academia around low women? Use I used a big word. That are you proud of me?
2: Oh my
1: God! That had Wait, a you used academia instead of that testament. Is...
0: <laughs> I did. Do you think that uh, academia used use uh, Joe too much? Is just a go-to example. Like this is a good feminist character, rather than looking at the other March
2: sisters. That's what I struggled with a lot when I started researching for this like project because my my project was on Amy and when I was thinking about it or like when I went to like the initial seminars for like okay you're doing a research project what are you going to do it on um I literally said in my first seminar I was like I don't know little women would be fun and then that just sort of branched off into like you know the next five or so months of, of writing and looking at it and I didn't know I originally thought that I wanted to look at Joe, because Joe's the obvious choice and Joe, like, without without me even going onto J Store, I know that there would be thousands of search results if I searched up Joe Marsh Little Women. Um, I felt like Meg. There just wasn't enough content for me to explore. That sounds bad, but I feel like she's a very straightforward character. I'm sure if I like dug into it, and if I wanted to like compare. Louisa May Alcott's life, maybe to Meg or her sister's life, then I could have done it. Um, and then Beth, obviously, just like dies, <laughs> pops the clogs. <laughs> wasn't a lot there. Rest in peace. <laughs> <laughs> Rip. <laughs> she pops her clogs. Um, and then I—that's I, why I wanted to do Amy was because she's—I don't think she is looked at as much. I think quite often it is Joe who is has who is held up. So sometimes I did have to read things about Joe and then apply them to Amy. There was one particular one when I'm just reading back through my annotated bibliography where um, the, it was another issue that just happens at uni. Um, is that because the film was so recent? There wasn't a lot of writing on the film itself. So I had to go off like very vague and short articles that didn't have a lot of content. Um, let me see if I can find what they said. Ah, but this, I had to take what this person had said about Joe and apply it to Amy because mm. they talked so much about Joe and I was like, this is just look at some
1: other characters, please. Um, I definitely I feel like think, that joe's kind of seen as a protagonist yeah. yeah definitely which i feel like i can understand
2: but i also feel like it's a shame um, yeah
1: but then I, at the I, same time i think there's kind of in book and film there's a potential that like each generation of viewers and readers can find themselves in each one of the siblings and you don't yeah. have to you Don't have to go for Joe because, and I think Gerwig does that more so in the film and by making Amy and Meg and Beth more substantial characters, especially Amy. Yeah, yeah, the film so definitely
0: does give a bigger lens to Amy
2: than the book does. The, the one bit I found was by Judy Simon, it's called The Afterlives of Louise May Alcott's Greta Gerwig's Little Women, which I think is about two pages long. <laughs> um, and uh, what I wrote was that Simon cites uh, Cerise Rowland as the one who helps Gerwig rewrite a classic myth of girlhood for a post-feminist age. And whilst I agree with the bulk of her argument, I disagree with a certain stance. It's clear to me through much of my research that hugh slash Amy has more of an influence than Simon gives her credit for. So I had to be like, yes, but. <laughs> kind of like, you're wrong. Um, but what you were saying about generational as well, that was something that Greg Gerwig is quoted a lot as having talked about during the making of the film and talked about the emphasis of a um, the little woman for each generation. <laughs> um, and I, I believe, I could be wrong, um, someone who worked on one of the previous adaptations was a producer on this adaptation. Um, so they were really like bringing in everything that had already happened. Um, and already being made and putting it into breathing new life into it I think
1: as much as we've got like each little woman for each generation I think you can also find yourself in all of them at the same time so like I, I love the bit where Joe's like women have minds and souls and hearts and like sick of people saying that love is all they're made for which really struck with me when I watched that in cinema but at the same time I kind of felt myself wanting to be loved in the way that Meg wants to be loved and have a family like that and then there's the way that that Beth can't leave the house and she wants to stay with her family and help and like I think when I watched it I definitely found each each woman and how they deal with their issues and the way go we kind of spotlights it I could find myself in each of them at the same time that I could just focus on one and be like yeah I feel her because
2: that um Robin Swinckold wrote the I'm probably I've probably really messed that surname up uh who wrote the 1994 adaptation said she wanted her script to express what was important today and to say what was not being said particularly to young women and about young women Mm. um so I definitely feel like little women like Greta Gerwig's adaptation did that but you you can I think looking at the other adaptations, you can tell that it spoke to what was happening at that time, um, and I think particularly you know with recessions and questions of marriage and women's roles in marriage and things like that, and just general life being thrown up in the air. Mm-hmm. I feel like Goering did a pretty good job of um, succeeding in giving giving another generation another little woman.
0: Uh, just going back to, I don't know how long ago now. When, when you when you asked your question, Lucy, uh, you I was in agreement with Hattie, but I think kind of for like a different reason. Because mm. I think while it, they obviously they should have told uh, Joe that they got married as pretty much as soon as it happened, it kind of comes across as more realistic that they didn't, and that the fact that she does come across as a bit spiteful as of well. because she had the whole speech about thinking, oh God, I should have got with. Uh, the Laurie, because at that time we didn't know that German fellow was coming back and it's kind of just how like it's not like everything can be sw- swept under the rug there's still going to be scars of old relationships and friendships and again it's that whole thing about marriage marriage has killed the relationship to some extent with Amy and even more so with her relationship with Laurie because their friendship isn't going to be what it once was because he's always going to have Amy now.
1: Yeah, I definitely think, like, by keeping it in and um, by keeping in Joe's reaction to it in the moment when Laurie tells her, it's kind of an actual proper representation of women and how they behave when they're confronted with things that actually matter to them. And I think it's a recognition of kind of Joe's vulnerability and her emotions and her raw emotions, which is definitely kind of like you can resonate with and find yourself in
2: oh i was just gonna say talking about like consequences of um sort of things that women are expected to do i guess in a sense um i'll I'll bring in my one fun fact that i remember um which is that greta gerwig was pregnant during the whole of little women and um she i think i read somewhere that she went into labor 24 hours after Giving in the first rough cut of the film, um, mm. and she didn't tell anyone on set that she was pregnant. She hid her pregnancy. I think there was some quote in the um, official like movie companion that um, she hid her quote, hid it with like baggy clothes, and everyone on set just thought she had a new style or something. They <laughs> all thought she was just dressing differently, but but um, there's Something in the Los Angeles Times that I've just sort of glanced through. She quite um, literally
0: gave birth to little women.
2: I mean, that, you know, that is one way of putting it. <laughs> Definitely. Um, uh, yeah, this Los Angeles Times article says uh she kept the knees to herself throughout filming, hiding her growing stomach underneath bulky layers in the winter chill. Um, and Laura Dunn who um, obviously played Marmee in the film, is quoted as saying in this article, um, it's wild and beautiful, and I'd love to say wouldn't it have been glorious to know, frankly, just so we could have been part of that ride with her. But unfortunately, knowing what I know, I worked with the director on a movie who was told to please not nurse because the crew would consider it a sign of weakness. From my experience in this business, Greta was absolutely right to keep it to herself, and that sucks. That's so
1: interesting. So, that yeah so uh
2: Charisse ronan said that she told me after the fact that she didn't want anyone to treat her differently and people would have done because she works around the clock she's such a workhorse and when a woman is pregnant everyone always questions our decisions sound all that stuff so like i don't know it kind of to some degree or you could almost argue ties into like the film and the fear of of conforming to your gender roles and what happens if you do that or what happens if you tell someone that you're doing that and the judgment, um, you know, I think it's incredibly impressive that she didn't tell anyone. She went so long and, you know, has a child now and
1: everything like that. Um, She must have been late in her trimester, right? If she gave birth when she handed in the rough cut, like, that's impressive.
2: Yeah, it's impressive, but also, like, speaks to the state of the film industry, in general that she felt the need that she may, potentially i'm not I'm not like suggesting that she felt the need, but maybe she did feel the need that she couldn't say that or maybe she just didn't want to it's um, impressive
0: that she was able to hide it, but I think we live in a time where it shouldn't be impressive that she has to hide it and she should just be able to do it without having yeah. to have the concern go one it's already you really have to think of so many things when you're having a kid, if I, even if you want to have a kid. And then having to also think about outside of your own personal circle, people's perspectives of you is just not fair, especially in a workplace and like when you keep work life and personal life separate and people bringing that sort of thing into it just is a bit smelly.
2: Not as much has changed as we might
1: think annoyingly since Alcott's day. Just uh, bouncing off that fact um I have like a similar fact that's kind of related to kind of like the feminism um underlining of this entire episode um the speech that we've already spoken about between um Amy and Laurie where she tells tells him like marriage is an economic proposition I don't want to be second etc etc um it was actually a last minute edition by um Gerwig it was inspired by a conversation she had with um, Meryl Streep and after discussing like feminism and the difficulty of like being a woman in like the 19th century and this era she like scribbled it down and like I mean that's so interesting that the the one scene that's kind of iconic to little women and iconic to Florence Pugh as well like I reckon that's like a large part of the reason she was like got her nomination for her role um in the Oscars is is all just kind of sparked by a conversation on feminism and I think that kind of links as as we're going into like Black History Month like tomorrow the first we're filming this on the 30th it's kind of by speaking about it and by educating ourselves on issues like feminism and, and, and black culture we can spark change and spark like monologues that are as important as that has become for that film
0: I think and I'm going to say it again it's a testament to Greta Gerwig as a director, being able to take on some, no, I wouldn't say criticism, but advice about her work, her, her writing, and be able to quickly turn around to something as iconic and beautiful as that. I bet you, like, if it was Quentin Tarantino being told that by Meryl Streep, he would absolutely do what Meryl Streep said because we all should. But if it wasn't Meryl Streep and it was someone else, He would be like, actually, it's my thing. And it's very, I think it's quite brave of Greta Gerwig to be like, oh, yeah, I will try that. And I think filmmaking is a collaborative process. And I think a woman and another woman helping each other make that is kind of all about what Little Woman is. And it just adds to that whole. The what I love,
2: what I love about that scene as well is, I mean, obviously I don't I don't know how the scene was blocked out before that that last night alteration. Uh but if you go back and look at the blocking and you look where Amy moves around um the room, um she's not being dramatic, she's not like standing literally staring at Laurie for the whole like whatever two minutes it is she's going around she's doing her paintbrushes this is her everyday life this is the life of an artist and not just an artist. it's the life of a, of a woman as well like she is there's no like sometimes I don't know about you but I have to like stop doing something to be able to like articulate my thoughts and she just carries on and I'm like I I love that it's not like a bit they could have made it so grand and so like jesteric and everything and they didn't and they, you know, Amy carried on I think that's really interesting
0: Yeah, it's really great, it's like they're actively going against that stupid stereotype of like, oh women are over emotional, do not take that out of context I do not want to be cancelled this year (laughs) No! But yeah, it's just like she's so controlled and thoughtful and wearing the pants in that room despite Mm. I think wearing a dress but she's so just calm and controlled and just at that moment that's like one of the most powerful women I've seen on the screen and they're just paint uh, cleaning paint
1: Is it then interesting that when we get Jo's speech at the end about like when she literally goes women like mm. that's much more dramatic and it, yeah. the camera's full-on focused on her and it's even the way she like articulates it and moves her her body language it's 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 dramatic and it's focused, whereas yeah. for Amy, it's natural because it's I, part of her natural life.
2: I think that goes back to what I was saying before about how, um, to an extent, we can understand why Amy burnt the manuscript is because Joe's had that together. Joe has the freedom to some sort of sense where she can have those intellectual thoughts, almost like a man in that degree, where she can have that space for intellectual thinking and and philosophizing and whatever like that um and be open to that whereas joe has to just crack on and mm. it's really interesting that she goes straight from the studio where she does what could be her career to going to meet um fred Warren mm. in the carriage and it's really conflicting um that joe has the not the mental capacity but the social capacity i think to just like take five minutes have a little women session and then
0: so are you saying in amy burning the manuscript it's amy saying fuck men."
2: yes yes <laughs>
0: you have now changed my perspective of that scene and i quite like it now usually I'm quite frustrated because I'm like, damn, that was a lot of hard work. At the start, we were discussing how the film went back and forth and there was a contrast. And to stick with the going back and forth and contrast, and also because I forgot to ask this question, uh, would you say that the tale of Little Women and Good Wives works better in a chronological order or a non-chronological
1: order? I think personally... It works better in a non-chronological, non-linear um, sense in the way that Gerwig does it, rather than the way that Louisa Alcott does it. Because I think it feels very blocky in the in the book, and it, like I've said, like it's boring when they're adults. Um, and the way that Louisa Alcott does it kind of makes sense because we get to see how childhood has impacted the adulthood and how how different they are by going back and forth between them and kind of kind of creates this kind of like longing for childhood even when the they are adults whereas louise met alcott does it where it's like right they're no longer kids like we're adults now like there's there n- that doesn't feel like there's a connection and i i know that's probably because when it was published they were published as volumes so good wives would have never Been there for readers, like they would have read Little Women and Mm -hmm. then they would have read Good Wives separately. Whereas,
0: memories of the past type thing,
1: yeah, yeah. Whereas, by having it in a non linear, it really creates this connection that's complex and offers more kind of analysis to the characters.
2: Mm. I agree 100%. Whereas,
1: you know, when we did um The Goldfinch and that was in non linear, um. Too that, that went back and forth between kids and adults and um, less so like it had less so than Little Women and Good Wives but in that way that one was confusing for me and it didn't work but this I think I think it was a good decision for with
0: mm. I'm in 100% agreement I think with The Goldfinch because it was focused around a specific character I wouldn't have minded it being more linear just having me able to see the gradual growth but like Going back and forth between all these different characters in the film was really good for Little Women because it was kind of chaotic, kind of like their family group, like dynamic. There's chaos, but also remembering the good times and the bad ones, and it's just a wholesome, jolly time.
1: Book or film, guys?
0: Miss Metcalf, after you.
2: or like the English student in me should say book, but, but I'm going to go with film. How come, Florence Pugh? Period. Full stop. End, end of sentence. Need I say more?
1: No.
0: I'm going to give, as as the computer scientist, a more articulate response. Uh, I'm when if I split it into Good Wives and Little Women, in uh I'd probably say I think I prefer Little Women. As a book because of the different writing styles and like how wholesome it is and the nice little stories. I really enjoyed reading Little Women. For fuck's sake, Good Wives was the most painful book I've ever read. So I'm <laughs> saying the film. Brutal. But then overall, I'd say the film. My reasoning, Florence Pugh, full stop.
1: Nice. I'm going to go with film too. I think... Like little women, I agree, Good Wives can go in the bin. Don't don't if you're listening to this and you've not read Good Wives, do not read Good Wives. Save um,
0: yourself. Save read yourself.
1: Um, li- like Little Women is such a like such a wholesome nineteenth century like classic. And I think like it will always be one of those books that like women read and like kind of enjoy. I don't think we should be giving them to kids like it's itch- age teen age like nah but I'm pretty it's, sure it's... that's a
0: form of human rights violation
1: um but I think I, I do think that the film is better because it kind of like she asks this she takes this book and she she kind of asks the question like what would this book be if Louisa May Alcott didn't have to write in a century where there weren't these social constraints on these four women, um, slash the other women, obviously like Mammy and Aunt Marsh. But like she kind of uses the film to reflect who she is as a woman as well. And I think she updates the structure, she updates the ending, she updates the messages that Louisa May Alcott can't really get in there in the nineteenth century context she's writing in. I think that's I think that's always gonna be really really close to my heart when I think of the film and I, I think I'd watch the film at least well every Christmas because it's a Christmas film um but I'd never really go back and reread the book regularly so for that I am going to say the film but also Florence Pugh <laughs> Florence Pugh as well
0: that is the correct answer yes just touching on how Good Wives is so bad the best bit of that book Is the death of Beth?
1: What? What? Why did we not get to this?
0: We're not going to.
1: I think the death of Beth is way better done in the film than the book.
0: No, I'm saying that as a book, the best bit of that book is her death. I'm not saying it's done better in the film. I'm just saying as a book, that one bit of the book is my favorite I think
2: you've dug yourself this hole now, George.
0: Yeah, and I'm lying next to Beth's dead body.
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, I think I agree. I think Good Wives has no merit except for when Beth dies. Not because I dislike Beth, but because of how good that bit is in the book.
0: Honestly, Hattie was sat next to me while I was reading it, and I audibly whooped because it was getting good. She's going, going, gone.
1: (laughs) It's not a bloody auction. And once again, that brings us to the end of the page and to the credits. Thank you so much for listening. And thank you to our guest star, Hattie, for being such a wonderful, wonderful Florence Pugh fan with all her facts and stats that me and Josh just can't live up to. Um, be sure to let us know what you think of little women on our Twitter at from page to Pig, and our Instagram at from page to picture. Um, join us next time as we discuss how to train your dragon by Christina Cowell and its film adaptation.